Hey Jeff, do you like video games? Yeah! Hey Cody, do you like free? I guess. That's what I like to hear. Come on down to Budget Arcade. We got games galore. We got red games. We got blue games. We got Battle Royale games. We got RPG games. We got games coming out of our butt. And they're all free. How much? I said free. Who is this guy yelling in the middle of the street? I don't know. Join Scott, Jeff, and Cody each week as we help you navigate through the realm of free-to-play games. Budget Arcade is not responsible for money lost on microtransactions. All loot box purchases are final. Get Budget Arcade wherever you download your podcast from. Now, who's this guy? I don't know. He just he keeps yelling. I'm not really sure. Were you the kind of person that grew up passionately loving something? Something that you felt so strongly about? Something that you knew would be a part of you for a lifetime? Now 34 years have gone by, you've got multiple kids, and you're still doing what you absolutely love to do, and you would not trade it for anything. Sean Beeson is someone who fits this description quite well, and that's exactly how he feels about music. He's a composer, sound designer, and music producer for games, film, TV, and more. Our conversation today dives into his lifetime career of music, how his kids have picked up on his passion, how he is able to have a balance between being a family man and his career, his love for video games, and much, much more. Now, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to share with you a voice message that was sent to Parent Quest uh, by a listener, and I promise I did not put her up to this. Hey, Kyle, I loved your first podcast. Love, Mom. That's right. My first voice message of, I hope, many more voice messages was for my mom. And I love you, too. And if she's able to do that, if she's able to send it through Anchor, I'm sure you can also. All you have to do is go to ParentQuest's page on Anchor and select the voice message button to begin. The message automatically gets sent to me and I can upload it to the next episode. If you don't want to have your voice heard, that's alright. All you gotta do is email me at parentquestpodcast at gmail.com. Alright, this is episode 3 with the amazing, the radical, the, the radical? I don't know if that's a thing. The, the most raddest most gentlemanist dude ever, Sean Beeson. I hope you all enjoy. Sean, thank you so much for uh, coming on Parent Quest. I know we had scheduled this out a couple weeks ago, and I'm so glad that it <laughs> it actually worked out on the first try because it seems it seems like it's kind of difficult to uh, stick stick with uh, recording, especially on my end. Um, uh, with family and stuff in the middle of the day. So for this to actually work out, like I am so grateful that you're able to hop on here and, and chat with me for a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And since I'm self-employed, it, it really helps. I'm just doing it, just doing it during my work day. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, why don't we just start out uh, by um, giving our audience an idea of who you are and what you do and, and, uh, um, kind of just your your history of being a uh, music composer. Yeah. 
So uh, my name is Sean Beeson. I'm a 34-year-old Ohio-based composer, sound designer, and producer, and I, I guess a musician. You could call me a musician as well. Uh, I, I've been a lifelong lover of, of music and composing, and I remember having compositional experiences even when I was like eight and nine years old just kind of sitting down and like doodling on a keyboard and coming up with fun little songs, which uh, you wouldn't call original compositions or anything mm -hmm. that was wonderful like that, but it was kind of the start of my interest in creating music and, and creating sound. And so I, I started to do it a lot more seriously at, at age 11. And by the time I was 13, I was composing regularly uh, by regularly, I mean almost every day. I was just sitting down and trying to compose something. Um, and usually it involved just playing a piano and recording it onto cassettes or later recording it onto a computer when that technology became available to me. Uh, but I really fell in love with composing, music, pianos, uh, and eventually technology, which is kind of fueled my further interest in career and in, in music and in technology i grew up as a gamer so i love technology and computers and electronics and uh, i've been doing it ever since then i've been composing now for a majority of my life and have been doing it professionally for half of my life now that's awesome so growing up you know having that interest in music was music something that you and your parents were able to connect through, or was it something that you solely latched onto yourself? Yeah, so I get asked this question a lot, like, oh, you must come from a very musical family. And I would say that I came from a musically appreciative family in the sense that, like, my parents were musically inclined, but it's not like I had a parent that was a uh, concert violinist. Um, now my mom, she is, she is a dance major, right? So I think that rhythm and music kind of runs through her veins. And I think I really got that appreciation of, you know, music and, and especially rhythm. I'm really big into rhythm. I, I think I got that through her just being exposed to it, uh, kind of growing up, but it was never pushed on me. You know, my parents never said, you're going to take lessons or you're going to study music or this is, you know, this is what our family does. They kind of just let me do whatever made me happy. And I just gravitated my, my whole life towards wanting to create uh, music and create songs. And and so, yeah, I just kind of ended up in in that. OK, that's awesome. You mentioned, you know, your mother doing dancing and, and stuff. Was there ever a Sean Beeson that, that showed interest in dancing, or was it just solely through the, just, just that music? Yes. So I don't have the body or coordination of a, da <laughs> of a dancer. Um, I have more of the body and coordination of, like, a linebacker or a, a fullback on a football team. Um, I'm definitely not built nor coordinated to, to really do that kind of fluid motion. Um, but I've always loved working with dancers, uh, and my wife is very 
motion inclined and rhythmically inclined. Like she can move her body around in ways that I'm like, I just don't even understand Mm -hmm. how you're doing that because I can barely do the most basic of uh, like show choir moves. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So no, no dancing for me. I stuck with composing. I stuck stuck on the, uh, the, the production side of dance. So now you're, you've grown up, you know, playing music all these years. You do it as a career and you're, you're a family man. So you work full time. And I, I consider, you know, raising a family. It's another full time job on top of that. Yes. Yeah. Do any of your, your kids show interest in music? Is it something that, that you could see them picking up in the future? Have they already picked up on it? Or are they just completely uh, not interested in it at all? Right. So I have five kids, and they're, the oldest is nine. Uh, might, he might be ten by the time this, this airs. Okay. So still very young. Um, and I didn't really start taking an interest in wanting to study music you know with with a teacher until i was 11 um and nobody pushed me right so my oldest shows absolutely no interest in in music whatsoever um but some of my younger kids do and it's not like they've said you know i want to study this or i want to do this but just the way that they're able to to pick songs out um, and especially my six-year-old is able to recognize themes from, so, you know, from a from a movie, or he hear, he'll hear a theme in something else, and he'll say, "That's exactly this. Sounds exactly like this score. Sounds hmm. exactly like this piece of music from this composer." Your six-year-old, I mean, my six-year-old. Wow. He won't know. He won't know the composer, of course. He'll just say, "Wow, this piece of game music sounds like music from." this film or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And even I'm like, huh, I, I don't know about that. And then I'll go and listen. I'll be like, wow. Yeah. It's in the same key. The melody is very similar. Um, you know, and so I, I think he's got an ear for music, mm-hmm. whether or not he pursues it, I, you know, that's up to him. I think he's got other interests, but my kids, they are going to learn to appreciate music. Like they are exposed to instruments right um you know like one day i'll have out some steel drums and a melodica and a drum kit right and we just jam Mm -hmm. and the other day it'll be like a synthesizer a didgeridoo and some handbells and we just bang on them that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah that's pretty awesome they don't i'm not gonna make any of them ever force them to study Mm -hmm. if that's not what they want to do but i do think that it's important for them to know what instruments are what and what they sound like and who know some of the great composers or at least be able to identify music outside of how they're so often exposed to it. Right. You know, like, so in a video game or a film or a TV show, just exposing them to that same music in a way that they're consuming the music exclusively and not, as part of a a visual experience all the time. And I think that's a big thing you mentioning, you know, your parents didn't push it on you. You obviously are not going to push it uh, on your kids. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be one of those, uh, uh, pageant parents per se. Yeah. Uh, 
My kid is yeah. currently banging on a pan right now. I don't know if she wants you to hear it or not, but... <laughs> Sounds good. A plus. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but Get her some lessons. I'll, I'll have her contact you uh, uh, right after this. <laughs> um, but that is a big thing. Like, it, it, it robs the joy of the hobby if, if that's something that you find or, or if you want to pursue it as a career if, if you're forced to do something it seems like you the, the individual that's being forced doesn't enjoy it mm-hmm. absolutely and I and I think we're very encouraging of wanting kids to learn multiple languages at a, at a young age and be exposed to all these other kind of left and right brained activities that try to develop that their their thinking processes their neural pathways or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like i think music is a great way to do that and i think just the process the, the process of collaborating with other people right so if you stick a kid in a room and you're just like yeah bang on this drum they might get something from that but if you're like hey you're gonna play the drum you know lay down some quarter notes while one of these other kids just riffs which you know a kid riffing is just like them making noise but it, that collaborative process of working with someone else to try to make something, I think is, I hope does something, you know, for them developmentally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with that. And for you, I, it, look, it seems like you have quite the advantage because you've got five kids. So you could have someone making music. You could have another one dancing. You could have, mm-hmm. they could just be building creativity and being creative in their own ways and just kind of throwing it back and forth at each other, which is, uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. It gets pretty nuts. It gets pretty nuts sometimes. <laughs> and I often get asked though, you're going to have a quartet or you're going to have a quintet, yeah. right? Or you can have a barbershop court. And it's like, you know, maybe if we do awesome. <laughs> and if not, you know, I, I, I want my kids to appreciate music and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is music is a lifestyle. Um, what I do is it's a career and mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle decision. But at the end of the day, I I put it down. I have to put it down and become a father. Um, so even though it's my it is my life, it's a big defining part of me, and it mm-hmm. is my passion, and it is also my hobby. It cannot supersede my role as uh, as a husband and as a parent. Yeah, which. Uh seems like with with people that have certain careers like that or, or, or any kind of career dealing with entertainment, uh, it's probably hard to find that balance, or at least it took you, uh, it, it takes time to learn and figure out how to balance everything out, whether to, uh, what's a good time to work on your music, what's a good time, or and what's a time to put the music down to, you know, take care of your family. Mm-hmm. And I, I always jokingly say I'd love for one of my children to be uh, an accomplished sound designer mm-hmm. so that I, <laughs> we can work together on things. But, uh, but yeah, that's just because I started at 11 and got started early doesn't mean that any of them will do that, and I, I don't expect that. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that uh, you, you're a gamer also. And yes. uh, so is that that's something that's been since your childhood? Is it something that's carried all the way out to today? You still play games today? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think as with most people that gamed in their youth, especially, you know, some of us older, the millennials? Am I a millennial? Technically, yeah, Yeah. I think so. I was born in 85. So I think a lot of us, it seems like a lot of our fondest memories of youth are 
pro- are playing video games. Like if you played a lot of games, like you remember when you would play like Mario or Sonic and, you know, waking up on Saturday mornings and playing games or staying late up late on a Friday night and playing games. And that's still some of my best memories is just being able to play games with with my dad, being able to play games with my brothers, uh, our, my friends, um, you know, being able to go to, in our case, a gas station that was in our hometown that uh, also rented games and just being able to look at the cases and the cartridges and be like, oh, this game looks great because it's got a guy holding a sword on it, a barbarian. You know, we're going to rent that just to take it home and be like, oh, yeah, this is like the one game that's super mature. Yeah. You know, it's for like it's for 17 year olds to play and we're like eight years old. (laughs) You know? Yeah. No, I I completely agree with you um, because I kind of grew up around that time and my earliest memories of playing games we're back when uh, we had Zelda and Rampage for NES. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that has carried on all the way through my life. Like that that was so important to me as a kid being able to have access to those games and play them and and I don't I don't know if my parents really cared for them at the time because they would, you know, they'd rather want me outside playing, but we also had the gas station that had, you know, video rental and video games. It wasn't a huge selection, but it's still, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's memories that you cherish, uh, now looking back. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, absolutely. And I think especially when those, some of those games were so challenging, uh, that when you would actually beat them or, you know, we take for granted now that there's just so many things in games that are kind of tropish mm-hmm. that you just, the way that they're designed kind of holds your hand as a player maybe a bit more, um, which is great too. Like I really like that in games. I think that makes for a better narrative experience, mm-hmm. but there were so many things in old games, you know, I, and I played like a lot of SimCity, uh, a lot of uh, Heroes of Might and Matt, like a lot of role-playing games, mm-hmm. King's, King's Bounty. So there was a lot of strategy um, in a lot of those games as well as uh, games like Toe Jam and Earl that were just were highly cooperative tight, you know, tight, like you were better off playing with someone else and working with them than and trying to beat it play on by your yourself. Own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up with uh, Sega Genesis was, was my system. On a, and of course it, I didn't know this at the time, but uh, you know, it's, it has the FM sound chip, mm-hmm. which I just, I love the sound of that, how edgy and raw, and just how much noise can be in those soundtracks, like in terms of like the grittiness to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I fell in love with game music. Uh, I would record with a little tape recorder up to like the TV speaker, the music I, I, for the games. And then I would kind of uh, carry that around and play that a bit. And yeah, I really fell in love with the music from games. Would you say that that music... Um, influence you in a way with with uh, wanting to do music yourself, or not? Yeah, uh, that I, I would mean, actually say I would actually say no. Okay. I think it made me really love music in general. Mm-hmm. But at that time, uh, when I first started composing, you know, the thought of composing for video games was just was not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I originally think I started off wanting to own a recording studio when I was like 14, 15, 16, 
because music technology was in its heyday at that point. But, you know, when I'm 15 and 16, this would have been like, you know, roughly 20 years ago. So it wasn't even like, I don't even think the PlayStation was out. Was the PlayStation out at that uh, point? Yeah, it, it might have been. It was 95, 96. Yeah. So, like, we were just starting to get into digital audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that prior to that point, like, the thought of composing music for a game was just not even something I could comprehend. But as I started to get more into the technology when I was in high school and early in college, that was the same time that we started to hear more frequently you know, fully orchestrated soundtracks, fully produced digital recordings mm-hmm. that were was on optical media for games. And so that's when I was like, whoa, wait a second. You know, this game has music that is on par with music you hear in, in a film. Right. Or music you hear on TV. Um, and of course, you know, the whole time I'm still playing games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I... W- spent, I don't know how many hundreds of hours play, playing Morrowind and Oblivion, you know, through too high many. school. <laughs> yeah, too many. Uh, and I, one game that definitely stuck out was uh, the game Arcanum, uh, which is, that. it's an old Sierra game okay. that uh, it's kind of like Baldur's Gate, where it's like a point and click RPG. Yeah. And like the whole soundtrack, it's a steampunk game. So the whole soundtrack is uh, string string quartet and it is uh live recordings and it just like set the mood so well as you played the game uh it just works so beautifully with it and you know the music is is really good but it was that marriage between the music and the game uh and the music is good enough to enjoy it standalone outside of the game but Mm. that marriage between the music and the game just made me say wow this is something I want to do. I want to make people feel something when they're playing a game. And that's kind of one of the handful of titles that I think really kind of sparked my interest in wanting to compose music for inter, you know, interactive media mm-hmm. for games. And I, I can honestly say that you have successfully done that with, uh, the, with the music that, that you've composed. Uh, so, with you being, uh, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, a gaming nerd as well, do your kids play? I'd be surprised if they didn't. Problem is, my kids want to play too much. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, mean, I think, uh, and you might experience this a little bit as well as a father, maybe not yet, maybe your daughter's a little too young. Mm-hmm. She that, just uh, discovered Mario. She can kind of play Mario Odyssey. I end up playing Cappy and she ends up running off the cliff. but try yeah that uh my kids it seems like about age four would prefer to play games over watch watching tv Mm -hmm. watching a movie i mean that is their preferred form of screen time Mm -hmm. games does it doesn't matter if it's well i was gonna say it doesn't matter what kind of game i think there's a caveat to that it doesn't matter if it's on an ipad if it's um on the switch if it's on playstation the one exception i found is that they get incredibly frustrated with uh old school games older games like atari they just won't even touch it that's i mean that is challenge to to today's standards those games are difficult 
it's it seems to be way too much repetition for them. Mm-hmm. Nintendo is too, is too difficult. They start to do a lot better when you get into the 16-bit era. Okay. Uh, they start to be a little more tolerant of uh, the game design. Um, but it seems like the older that my kids get, the more they they like those kinds of games, and they they really like. Uh, I have a a barcade mm-hmm. and they really like that. And in particular, my four and six year old really love the game rampage. Yes. Oh, I can um, relate to that. They really like the game. Rampage. That and battle toads are, are their go-tos. Wow. So they don't get frustrated by battle toads. Well, this is the arcade one. Okay. So they just feed it with the equivalency of like $300 and quarters. Okay. <laughs> they just and keep yeah, going. They'll eventually the, get it. Yeah, it's the original pay-to-play. Okay. Pay-to-win, right? Like arcade is. As long as you keep feeding, uh, in this case, the symbolic quarter of just pushing the button, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't you can't lose. It's unlimited lives. Yeah. So they like that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of nice. So sometimes I'll just load up a random, you know, uh, shoot-em-up game you know, vertical shooter or mm-hmm. horizontal shooter or, or whatever. We'll play Sunset Riders and we'll just play through the game. X-Men, Simpsons, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. Any of those. So do you think that they weren't as tolerant to some of those older games, like you said on the Atari, they won't even try it? Do you think it's because they're so used to uh, being exposed to good graphics and good good audio quality and that stuff is just not worth them worth their time for trying? Or is it just th- the frustration out of trying to play the game? I think I, I do think there is something to be said with kids all my kids at least coming to learn how to play games using a touch screen. Uh, that's true. They now they do okay with controllers, mm-hmm. just fine. E- even my four year old does just fine with a controller. Does really good with a controller. But I think their tolerance for games that have either design flaws or have control flaws in them is just they have zero tolerance Mm -hmm. like i've noticed that even with with atari games or nintendo games if something doesn't control like they think it should or if a character doesn't jump like like it should or if something doesn't consistently react they they uh they're just like yeah no this is no fun and visuals i don't think that has anything to do with it or even the retro vibe because mm-hmm. they they really like to play games like uh shovel knight oh nice they, they love shovel knight they love uh down well which is like very simple mechanic mm-hmm. uh very simple visuals but really well designed like it's very rewarding so i think there's something with older games um that maybe it's just not it doesn't quite feed their uh the pleasure center of the brain is quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Maybe is what uh, newer games do. For example, Pokemon. My kids love Pokemon the show. They mm-hmm. love Detective Pikachu. So I thought I'd give my nine-year-old a Game Boy Pokemon on it. He's kind of like, eh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but I think a lot of that's because you have to read. You have to get involved. Yeah. You have to develop a strategy. He much prefers to play... Uh, the Pokemon game, I'm drawing a blank on it, but it's the one where you just jump right into it 
and like the Pokemon show up at your camp and you take them out on quests. Oh, is it? Um, I think it is called like PokeQuest or Pokemon Quest. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be it on the Switch. You, you need know, to they feed them and stuff. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd make different foods to attract. You know, like that's much more. Um, they they're into that a whole lot more. Yeah. But I think that's just because the design is just more modern. And it's almost uh, it's almost more of a mobile game than it is a console game. It feels like a mobile game when you play it on the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. It it it's it is a mobile game. Okay. Yeah. I I think so. I believe yeah. you are correct. Well, well, Sean on is. The mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it is like a mobile game just on the switch. On the switch. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you're currently playing right now? And well, we'll start with that one, and then I'll ask you the next question. What is there anything that you are currently playing? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm a really big fan of like Borderlands, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> like I, there's a lot. The Last of Us, Uncharted. Mm-hmm. Um. The only problem with that is that it's not stuff I can play really in front of my kids. With your kids, yeah. And so, Borderlands, or not Borderlands, Uncharted, I tried to. And then this one in particular, the language got to be a bit much. You yeah. know, the the gun sh- the, the gunfighting and stuff is not as much of an issue, but the innuendos and the language, you know, for like a seven-year-old and a six-year-old is just... It's not a good age for that. It's a lot so more I'll, mature than you know than the rating gives it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then games like The Last of Us, you know, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even it's like to gritty. play that at night. You know, if, <laughs> I'm afraid to play that at night because I'm even like one of if one of my kids comes down, yeah, and they see that, it's going to terrify them. Yeah, but uh, um, having so nightmares of clickers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the next four years. <laughs> uh, so those, I really like to play those games, but usually the only time I can play them is uh, when the kids are in bed. Mm-hmm. And so during the summer when all the kids are off and they're staying up till, you know, 8.30, 9.30, or even 10 if it's if it's on a weeknight or a weekend night, uh, by the time I can play, it's like I'm, I'm too tired, you know, because I, I just want to go to bed because I get up at 7 o'clock the next morning. Yeah or 6.30, whatever, work. So I would say most of my gaming is actually really old school right now. So I've really been into some odd, some really odd games and handhelds. Um, I've really been into, uh, normal handheld is, is Game Boy Color. Uh-huh. I've really been into that. Uh, I, I modded a Game Boy Color to have a modern LCD screen. Oh, wow. So it's backlit and uh, with like a ten-hour battery life, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Was um, was it difficult to, to mod? This mod that I got is the Ben Venn mm-hmm. drop-in LCD kit. So there's no soldering, but there, you do have to make some modifications to the case. Uh, it's like forty, probably forty bucks for the screen. I got to tell you, if you have any Game Boy games or light Game Boy, it is the best $40 you'll spend okay. on it's so awesome. I don't, but you talking about it makes me want to go get one because I'm, I'm the one thing that I've ever modded and it's not even a mod. I just replaced the uh, joystick, the thumbstick on my switch controller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The new switch controller is like 80 bucks and the thumbstick is six bucks on, on Amazon. <laughs> so doing that kind of sparked a little interest into, into wanting to do more, 
and you mm. talking about a modded Game Boy Color with a update, upgraded screen and battery sounds really awesome. And, you know, I think everybody is excited, you know, got excited about the NES Classic mm-hmm. and the SNES Classic. And now people are kind of like, oh, if there's going to be an N64. But this whole time, I think there's this hidden demand for Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Like the popularity of these systems, I think, has surged, but it hasn't hit mainstream levels of popularity yet. And for me, a lot of that's evident by if you want to go find a certain Nintendo game, you usually can find it as an either. Emulator. Well, I'm saying if you want to purchase the, the <laughs> physical card. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can find everything <laughs> Anything on online. Emulator. Um, you usually can find a listing for it on eBay. Mm-hmm. I, game Boy Color in particular, and even a lot of the harder to find Game Boy things, is very challenging. Like, there's a lot of that stuff you just, you don't find. Uh, you can find people selling huge lots of, of Sega games or huge bundles of uh, random Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. But Game Boy Color, it's a lot harder. Um, and I think that's because people are are e- either holding on to their stuff or buying it up mm-hmm. at a very quick rate. Waiting for the, that particular con- their handheld to go on the, a, uh, I don't know. Yeah, price uh, surge. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've been into I've been into uh, Game Boy and some DS, and the more obscure stuff is I've been into some Neo Geo Pocket Color and Watara Watara Supervision has kind of been a weird hobby of mine, mm-hmm. which is like often referred to as the cheap Game Boy. <laughs> uh, so a lot of uh, Virtual Boy. I've been into Virtual Boy. Oh, nice. A lot of a lot of very odd. But uh, you can see a pattern, odd handhelds. Yeah, but I, I feel like uh, even though some of that stuff is hard to get a hold of nowadays, it is worth probably revisiting now since you can have more of an appreciation for it. Whereas back when Virtual Boy originally released, I mean, it, it kind of fell flat on its face. And the thing is, is and I, I guess I maybe didn't clearly allude to this, is that like you sit down to play a game like Borderlands or The Last of Us um, or, you know, God of War on PlayStation or Halo or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like you have to – it's like having a part-time job sometimes. Yeah. The amount of, like, attention and focus and dedication you have to get. It's the reason why I could never get into Destiny. I can appreciate how great those games are, but it was like, wow, I just – I don't have enough time to be good at this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, or even, or Fortnite is the same way or PUBG, any of those. Like I try them. I'm like, wow, I'm terrible. If yep. I want to be good. I need to spend some job. time. I need to do, instead of going to work, I just need to play this. And, and it, uh, it's, yeah. it's overwhelming just to sit and look at a library of games and think all of these games, you know, I've purchased and they, they require so much time and then i just sit there and i scroll i scroll through my library and i'm like i don't want to play this i don't want to play this i don't want to start this and then i realize i just turn my console off and just go watch netflix or something yeah oh absolutely but it's like on a ds you know i've been playing uh some of the castlevania games on on there mm-hmm. and it's like you can just flip the lid open play for 20 minutes when yep. you have 20 minutes shut the lid yep or lately i've been into uh dragon uh 
Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest Monsters. Mm-hmm. Is that the game? Yeah, Dragon Quest Monsters Two, Dragon Warrior Monster, Dragon Warrior Quest Monster. <laughs> Whatever. It's the the second one for Game Boy Color. Yeah. And it's it's phenomenal. You know, it's a really well designed game, and it's by today's standards, you know, the writing is nothing incredibly special, but it's a very satisfying experience that you can pick up and play. You know, it. First off, your kids don't care. My kids don't care about it, right? Because they're like, eh, dad's just playing Game Boy. So it's like I can catch 20 minutes here or there playing sometimes. Um, you know, I can play it at night. I can play it on the go. Um, you know, there's just so much more about it that's more convenient for my lifestyle. Mm. And there's not a whole lot of uh, emotional investment into it. Yeah. And that, that definitely is advantage to uh, having a busy lifestyle. And, and, you know, being on, on Real Dudes Podcast as well and, and focusing on, on more independent video games, a lot of those games are short games. And that, I find myself playing stuff like that kind of more than playing AAA titles. And I could see how playing games like Castlevania or, or some of those older Game Boy Color games where you can just hop in and hop off, uh, it's, it's nice not having to sit there and think about the next time you're going to be able to spend a few hours to play uh, some big, ginormous, story-driven game. Yeah. Oh, and th- those games are awesome, too, right. you know? But, like, yeah. I usually find when I get into them, that's pretty much consumes all of my free thoughts. Yeah. Right? So part of it is to, like, I know my addictive personality towards playing games like that, right? And it... I'm aware of that, so I, I do my best to really control it, and and uh, I found that playing old school games is kind of uh, the best of both worlds, you know, where yeah. you can just fire up a, a Nintendo game, and usually you can play it for just a little bit and then hop out, and uh, I, of course emulators help a lot with that, being able to have save states. Uh, and I think the Switch is very reminiscent for me to the, like the 3DS and the DS and even the Game Boy Advance, where there's a lot of these indie titles um, where you can play them and then you, you can pause the Switch or turn the screen off. Mm-hmm. And you, then you can hop right back into the game 30 minutes later and not skip a beat. Yes, I think every console should have that feature. Oh, abso- yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that it's portable, yeah. you know, I, the Switch is probably my favorite modern console i i would say of the last couple generations it's yeah it is incredible and i, I because hope, it's portable because it's portable do you play it more on the go than you do uh docked it's rarely ever docked yeah same with mine i, I take mine to work and play it uh my lunch break normally you know and it's especially uh yeah especially like zelda just being able to hop in and and do a shrine or a, like dead cells being able to hop in and play through a couple levels and then pause it. Mm-hmm. Dead cells is, is fantastic. Yeah. A lot of indie games too. A lot yeah. of great uh, indie games. Have you had the opportunity to play Celeste? I have. It's great. What about that soundtrack? It's a very good soundtrack. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's uh, one of my, one of my favorite games I've played recently. Well, within the last year. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a phenomenal soundtrack and great. Uh, it's a great game. Great visuals. I think it's a, a just a an awesome example of 
how games can be made, mm-hmm. how they can look different and sound sound great. Yeah, yeah, and provide a a good story too. Yeah, I'm only a couple hours into it. Oh, so really? okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna know. I'm not gonna say anything else. We'll just leave it there. Leave it there. Yeah. Um, it's I I'm personally really enjoyed uh, the story through it. Had some good characters in it. Mm-hmm. Sean, uh, I really thank you so much for taking time to hop on here. Is there uh, anywhere that people can follow you? Is there anything that you want to plug or, or shout out uh, before we wrap this up? Yeah, uh, people can follow me on Twitter. Uh, that's at Sean Beeson, S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N. Uh, or they can find me on Facebook. Or my website is uh, SeanBeeson.com, S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N.com. Nothing to plug. Awesome. Just keep, keep on playing games and keep on enjoying music. Sean, thank you so much, man. I, I cannot say it enough. Just it, It's been a pleasure, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again in the future. Sounds good. It's my pleasure, too. All right, man. Have a good day. You, too. Bye. From doodling around on a keyboard at a very young age to achieving what a lot of us would want to achieve, doing what we love for a living. Sean has composed some incredible, incredible pieces of music, and I cannot wait to see what the future holds out for him. And I cannot thank you enough, Sean, for coming on to Parent Quest to chat about uh, kind of your your nerdism in music and, and how it is uh, reflected within your children as well. Um, it's amazing to see um, someone that is able to balance family life with what they love to do and form a career out of that as well. And uh, yeah, if you all would love to give Sean a follow, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Sean Beeson. S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N. And uh, as mentioned before at the beginning of the episode, send me a voice message. Ask me a question. Leave me a thought that can be discussed on the podcast. I don't care to share it with my guest. And uh, chat about it for a little bit. You can follow me on Twitter at ParentQuestPod. You can follow me on Facebook at ParentQuestPodcast and Instagram at ParentQuestPodcast as well. Like I said, if you don't want to hear your voice on the podcast, feel free to send me an email at ParentQuestPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I thank you all so much for listening. If you have any ideas, any thoughts, feel free to hit me up. And uh, I guess that's really it. So until next week, this quest is completed.